0: Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover sections 30 through 32 of the Doctrine and Covenants. We're going to talk about three sections. Section 30 is uh, only 11 verses, but interestingly, when it was originally published, it was three separate sections. Uh, It's to John and Peter Whitmer Jr. and um, David Whitmer. So... Each of them have a few verses, and they were, it was originally published as uh, an individual section for each of them. So, this came in September 1830. Uh, Joseph uh, said, I mean, this is from the history of the church. At length, our conference assembled the subject of the stone previously mentioned. So, the conference in September is was happening, um, the Hiram Page Stone here, was discussed. And after considerable investigation, Brother Page, as well as the whole church who were present, renounced the said stone, and all things connected therewith, much to our mutual satisfaction and happiness. We took the sacrament, confirmed uh, and ordained many, and attended a great variety of church business. On the first and the two following days of the conference, during which we had uh, much of the power of, the, of God manifested amongst us, the Holy Ghost came upon us and filled us with unspeakable and uh, with with. Uh, excuse me, and filled us with joy unspeakable and peace and faith and hope and charity abound in our midst. Before they we separated, we received the following revelation, which is actually sections 30 and 31. So that's the context of section 31 that was given to Thomas B. Marsh as well. So keep that in mind as we. Uh, d- I'll discuss section 30 and move just right into uh, section 31. So uh in verses one through four David Whitmer is first addressed and the Lord's pretty straightforward and blunt and a little you know in rebuking him he's uh your mind has been on the things of the earth more than on the things of me uh so why why was the Lord so upset with him? David Whitmer is mildly rebuked uh, for listening to Hiram page he was one of the, the Whitmers uh, the, fam- the we don't know. I don't. I actually, from my, my studies, I couldn't find if, if it was everyone in the Whitmer family, but it kind of seemed that way from what I've studied. That the Whitmers and a, and at least David Whitmer had believed Hiram Page, and had uh, started to put his trust in him a little bit, in that, in those revelations. Um, but in general the 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 rebuke aside from the higher page incident uh, it has to do with his him being fearing men more than fearing God and I think that if we are honest with ourselves we probably could all insert our name into these verses because it's an, it's an easy thing I think to fall into to have our mind be on the things of the earth rather than on the things of God and um. As I was studying this week, a thought came to me from October 2020 conference, uh, Elder Whiting. He, t- he talked about um, one of the topics he, he addressed is becoming more Christ-like and uh, increasing our Christ-like attributes. And he had this this thought where he said, if you're brave enough, you could ask a uh, trusted someone um, to help you understand and know what Christ-like attributes you need to improve and, and build. Um, and as I, I, as I thought about that, I went back and read that talk, thinking about having your mind upon the things of the world rather than on things of God. It can be really easy to miss the ways in which I can improve, right? And so having that outside perspective, but also importantly... We need to have the faith to ask God to tell us that, to um, to have the faith to turn to Him and say, "I trust, I trust Thee, Lord." And that's one way in which we can have our things, our excuse me, our mind on godly things rather than on worldly things. Uh, Verses five through eight is revelation given to Peter Whitmer. And then uh, verses 9 through 11 is to, I guess, important to note, by the way, when I say uh, say that, it's Peter Whitmer Jr. because their dad is also Peter Whitmer. So uh, this is to Peter Whitmer Jr. 9 through 11 is to John Whitmer, and he's called. And this is really uh, the first... In in this week's study, where there's this outright call to labor among the saints in Zion, there's a call to to an action here, uh, and it, the Lord says, "And your whole labor shall be in Zion, with all your soul from henceforth." I think that can be a difficult thing if we want to input ourselves there, right? Well, I've got I've got a job. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? I can't possibly, you know, be doing my calling 24 hours a day or even eight hours a day. I have to feed feed my family. But I think what it makes me think of at least is how are you doing the things that you do? Yeah, we all have duties and obligations. And if we want to draw a line and say that they are duties and obligations outside the church, I think that's where we can run into that problem of saying, well, I've got to do this. So how do I, I've got to focus here to provide for my family. How can my whole labor be for Zion and in Zion? But I don't think the Lord draws hard distinctions like that. I think the Lord wants us to be examples in all that we're doing and building up Zion in all that we're doing. If you are an accountant, are you honest uh, what's what's your behavior like in your workplace? If you're an attorney, you, are you a, a Christ-like attorney? Are you an example? If you are uh, a tradesman, or if you are in construction, do you uh, are you honest in all of your dealings with with your employer, with your coworkers, with your clients and customers? Uh, again, I want to bring back up just what what kind of conversations are you having uh how do you talk about other people to other people these are things and that we all do and no matter what our jobs are no matter what titles we happen to temporarily hold the question is are we christ-like fill in the blank are we christ-like marketers are we christ-like attorneys are we christ-like uh contractors are we christ-like uh salesman whatever whatever position you know business development whatever it is do we let our discipleship in of Christ and our faith in Christ define who we are or do we let our job title define who we are because if we do it the right way around and if we don't draw these lines between you know our church life and our work life and our home life, whatever whatever, then we our entire labor can be for Zion. section thirty one uh, is as I mentioned to Thomas B. Marsh. He'd only been a member of the church for days and he is uh, asked to leave and and go spread the gospel. Uh, one thing to note about Thomas B. Marsh, he did end up leaving the church uh, because he was offended later on, but then he did actually uh, return uh, to full fellowship before he died. Um, a couple things. Verses 3-4, through four, the Lord promises uh, Brother Marsh that he will have his tongue loosed. Later on in uh, in church history, as we get through to some persecution in Missouri, Brother Marsh was asked and appointed to speak in behalf of the saints, and he, on that occasion, spoke so eloquently that the, 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 the representative of the state of Missouri that was there to harass, basically, the saints uh, was brought to tears. And they ended up passing resolutions to assist the saints rather than uh, persecute, further persecute them. And that seems to be, to me, a direct fulfillment of this promise of the Lord here in section 31 to to Brother Marsh. Um, He was also, in verse 8, it says, and you shall strengthen them and prepare them against the time when they shall be gathered. So he's go out and strengthen uh, the church, and strengthen the saints. The principle of gathering Israel was brand new, right? That's actually one of the things in gathering that and what that was going to look like was was what uh, you know a lot of Hiram pages supposed revelations were about because it was a new concept that everyone was interested in it. And so, um, they, that's, that's, that's top of mind kind of, that's what, that's what I'm trying to get at. And brother Marsh is here specifically told to be a part of that and to strengthen, he was to be servant, one of the servants of the almighty whose duty was to strengthen and prepare for the gathering of Israel it takes both strength of character and preparation to gather Zion, and this will still be more the case when the city of Zion is to be built up. The laws of God must be observed. Uh, in 1832, Thomas Marsh led a company of the saints to Jackson County, Missouri. Again, a fulfillment of, of his duty here, uh, where he was given this charge. In verse 10, he the Lord says, Behold, I say unto you that you shall be a physician unto the church. So, interesting, two, th- two things here. First, Thomas Marsh was kind of trained and knew how to use herbs um, to help people with some healing. But he wasn't a, like a doctor a physician. It's not what he did. But there are tons of stories in church history of uh, Brother Marsh helping people, saints, members of the church, resolve differences and conflicts. And so it seems fairly clear to me that the Lord was calling him here to be a physician, not of the body, but of the spirit. And he was able to, in many cases, bring healing ointment to relationships and situations and distresses and uh, help to solve many uh, burdens in that way. All right, so in section 32, we're going to move into section 32. This was received in October of 1830, and... It's given to Parley P. Pratt and Zeba Peterson, and to summarize, essentially they are called to go serve missions and to teach the Lamanites. Now, the Lamanite mission, and we're gonna in in another episode this week, we're gonna touch on this same mission uh, because some other member, other men are called later on to go join them. So we'll, t- we'll touch on that, I think, in another episode. But to an outside observer, it might be, seem that this mission was a, a failure because they didn't have a ton of success amongst the quote-unquote Lamanites. American Indians is where they were focused at the time. The There was a tribe that they had, were very hopeful about, um, and they invited them to stay. They wanted to learn more about the Book of Mormon. And it looked like it was going to go really well, and there was finally going to be some success. But then some other Christian missionaries convinced the tribe to kick them out, kick the missionaries out. And so it was like an utter failure with that tribe as well. Like, nobody, nothing happened. Nobody, to our knowledge, was baptized. So it's like, well, what happened here? Like, the Lord calls him to go teach the Lamanites, and nothing good happens. Well... They end up going to Kirtland, Ohio, which, as you'll recall, is, ends up being a gathering place. So they, it's kind of what puts Kirtland on the map to the church. They end up meeting a guy there who um, was friends with Parley. Uh, Parley had known for a little while, named Sidney Rigdon. Brother Rigdon uh, was a minister of a church that... Uh, that um, Basically, it was a group of people who didn't believe that Christ's church was on the earth. They believed that the true church of Christ would be restored. They had been practicing baptism, um, which wasn't uh, a common theme through through all Christian denominations at the time. And so, when they came and taught uh, Sidney Rigdon, he believed was baptized. His, his um, and then almost all of the the congregation was also baptized. There was about a hundred and thirty people who were baptized at this time in Kirtland. They were related, not familial, not like a family relation, but connected to Sidney Rigdon and this uh, group of uh, that he had been leading. Um, they were ready and prepared to receive the priesthood and to they to be rebaptized because they had they just were waiting for the truth. This about doubled the number of members in the church at the time. There was a little, there's just over 130 people at the time who were members of the church, and then 130 more were baptized in Kirtland. And from this this group came a lot of early leaders of the church. That then end up expanding and serving missions, and so this first mission among the Lamanites might seem like a failure, but what it did is it really expanded the base of the church. And as we uh, just ha- are in the middle of, and I'm this is I'm recording this on conference weekend, we've just heard that by 2025. The expectation is that there'll be more members in Latin America than all the other members everywhere else in the church. And these these this is the the success of the Lamanite mission. These descendants from in one way or another, up and down North and South America of the Lamanites are joining the church in droves. They have been waiting, they have been prepared. And the Lord is fulfilling his promise to their fathers to bring them back again. And that's that's what we're seeing. Um, and so section 32, while short, and the, the history behind it may seem at first glance as an utter failure, it clearly is not. Um, the Lord works his ways, uh, uh, work, does his work in his way is what I meant to say. And to us, it may seem odd, you know. They got called to serve a Lamanite mission to go preach specifically to the Lamanites. But what ended up happening is they find Sidney Rigdon and these 130 people, who I am—I I bet there's a lot of members of the church today who can trace their uh, membership in the church back to that group, whether it's directly in family or if it's people who ended up. From, from those groups and family who went out and served missions and served missions all over the world and brought in their family. But this, I mean, a, a doubling in size almost overnight of the church uh, because these men, Parley P. Pratt and Zeba Peterson, and, and there's others that we will get talked about in, in another episode, but because they were faithful and trusted the Lord and, and went and trudged through snow and in terrible conditions um and they found success in the Lord's way which is what we have which is what we'll see in our life the Lord might ask us to do something we might think okay I get it I understand why he's asking me to do that but then we as we follow through with it we might fail and we say well man that was weird because like he told me to do this but if we trust the Lord and ask for his eyes to see we'll see things clearly we'll see things with an eternal perspective. And we will see that the Lord doesn't fail. Thanks for joining me in this episode. Uh, Next episode, we will discuss sections 33 uh, and 34. Um, And then we'll finish up the week with an episode about sections 35 and 36. Thanks for joining me. Hope to talk to you soon.